This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. We're sharing the final guest time slot with two incredible women who both happen to be dear friends of mine who are going to share some of their personal stories um, advocating for patients around drug shortages. So I'd love to welcome Tori Bender, Communications and Outreach Coordinator at the Naomi Berry Diabetes Center at Columbia University. Hi, Tori. Hi, Randy. Thank you for having me today. Thrilled to have you. Uh, the Naomi Berry Center is a world-renowned center for diabetes research and care. And Tori, thank you for, for sharing your, your personal stories there today. We're also joined by Dr. Sherry Flowers, a rheumatologist specializing in autoimmune diseases at Skylands Medical Group in New Jersey and a recurring contributor on the show. Dr. Flowers, thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me, Randy. I'm excited to be here again. Wonderful. So, um, uh, Sherry, let's start with you because, uh, first of all, I know we, we only have a few minutes to, to talk, but um, I want you to give a quick telemedicine update because the last time you were on the show, we were talking about the challenges with telemedicine, and you have become a huge advocate in the space since then. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm practicing in New Jersey, and what's going on is that the executive order here mandates that until the um, executive order by governor mandates that until the state of emergency is declared over, insurance companies must continue paying the full uh, full price for a telemedicine visit equal to an in-person visit. That's called pay parity. Um, but insurance companies continue to say, okay, we're only going to do this for another 30 days, and, and then they'll tell us the day before, okay, we're going to continue it. So which gives us very little time to plan how we're going to see our patients. It will would still be considered a covered service if they stopped, but it would be extremely low reimbursement, enough that a, a group can't afford. It's not sustainable for us to can provide that service um, if we can't be reimbursed, at least for the cost that we're spending for a visit. Um, so I actually started um, an advocacy project with a government affairs specialist I work with through the Association of Women in Rheumatology, as well as the New Jersey Medical Society. And to be quick, um, I've been speaking in favor and support of two bills which would extend pay parity permanently for all private insurers. Um, through the, I've spoken at the Assembly, the State Assembly Health Committee, and the State uh, Senate Health Committee. And um, so far, everything has been voted through unanimously, um, but one of the bills now, uh, for those two committees, one of the bills now is in holdup in the Finance Committee, um, and it'll need to pass through that to go to the full assembly floor, to go to the governor, to be signed into law. Um, but we'll hope that this has happened, because telemedicine is really not going anywhere, and it's going to be, you know, a long period of time that it's, it's going to be a big safety safety component for patients who are not able to come into the office due to the pandemic and the risk of infection. Absolutely. Well, we're all glad that you're on the front lines. Um, Tori Bender, I want to go to you because your text to me actually started this whole show. Um, we were texting about how difficult it was to get critical life-saving insulin uh, to your patients, and that sparked this putting this entire show together. So, um, Tori, maybe you can give us a little bit of the lay of land of what you're seeing and what you're, you're working on right now. Absolutely. I'm happy to share. Um, and I'll also add that in addition to being the communications director, I myself have had type 1 diabetes for more than 30 years. So I have both the patient perspective and the behind the scenes perspective. Um, the Naomi Berry Diabetes Center is at Columbia University. We're in Washington Heights and we have an extremely diverse patient mix. We have some of the wealthiest people in the tri-state area and some of the poorest. And I must say that our entire population was 
affected. Everyone was extremely afraid at the beginning. Would insulin production be impacted? Would manufacturing be delayed? Um, would doctors be able to fill out prescription requests as swiftly as they had been in the past? So th there were a lot of nerves, and this was what we call disaster preparedness for all of our patients. Um, and what we found was you know, at the beginning, there definitely were a lot of delays. And so people were nervous. There was this instinct to hoard. Um, and as time went on, that was figured out somewhat. But the biggest impact has really been the economic impact. So many of patients have lost their health insurance, have lost, quote, unquote, disposable income that they use to pay for co-pays to access their medications. Um, so it has been incredibly eye-opening for us. And fortunately, we've had the opportunity to collaborate with some large foundations, namely the Helmsley Foundation, the Berry Foundation, and some small grassroots organization, namely an organization called Bake Back America, where we've been able to access insulin, continuous glucose monitors, test strips, equipment that's essential for living with diabetes and get them to our patients that need them most. And this has been an incredibly eye-opening experience for us. And I'm honestly afraid to see how this is going to linger and people are just, the need is just going to grow as time goes on. Absolutely. I, I can also imagine it must, um, you know, be have been very stressful at the start of the lockdown when different countries were, were imposing quarantines and travel restrictions and people didn't know if they would be able to get their hands on um, enough supply of, of their life-saving medicine to, to be stuck somewhere for 14 days. Did, was that oh, an issue that you were dealing with? Absolutely. I mean, we tell everybody to make sure you fill your prescription requests in a timely manner. Make sure you have what you need for more than 14 days at a time. But do people do that? Not always. I mean, there's various factors. Life gets in the way or you don't have the money to pay for the, these essential medications. So people were incredibly nervous. Um, we got phone calls from around the world. People will, were stuck in Europe um, and needed emergency prescri prescription requests filled. So our doctors were working overtime behind the scenes to make sure people had what they needed. It was an incredibly stressful time. Absolutely. I, is, is there anything in your own personal life that you've been doing differently or trying to think about differently during this time? I personally now um, make sure that as soon as I am able to refill my prescriptions, I do. I mean, I feel very fortunate that I work at the Berry Center. And so if I need a vial of insulin, I can get it. But for the majority of people, that is not the case. So you need to make sure you see your doctor regularly. Now, just to touch on Dr. Flowers' point, telemedicine has been a total game changer. And we foresee that that is going to, how it's going to be this way for a long time. So make sure that you are in touch with your endocrinologist, you're having visits regularly, your prescriptions are updated, you have enough insulin in case of an emergency, as we've seen. Um, and I am extremely aware of this. This has been personally a, a very nerve-wracking time for me. Um, I personally had to use a backup pump that I hadn't used probably in a year and a half because I was waiting on my in, on my pump supplies to come, and there were so many delays at one point that mm -hmm. I was down to one 
one supply. And fortunately, I still had my own pump and I had stockpiled a lot of what I needed. But just that experience of needing to go to my backup pump really put me on edge. And, and you know, it was very eye-opening that, that disaster preparedness is a real thing. And you must always have backup, always have a stockpile if you are fortunate to be able to do so. Uh, absolutely. Um, Tori Bender is the communications and outreach coordinator at the Naomi Berry Diabetes Center. I want to move to Sherry Flowers, a rheumatologist with Skylands Medical Group in New Jersey. Um, Sherry, you very eloquently laid out in a text message to me this morning (laughs) that there were really three components to the drug shortage issue that you're seeing. Yes. So um, our issue is a medicine called hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil, which unfortunately is now something everyone has heard about. Um, So early in the pandemic, it was suggested that there may be some preventative benefits uh, of taking this medicine for COVID. It turns out there are not. Um, But once somebody goes out there live and starts telling people that this is going to be a game changer, this is going to protect everyone from COVID, uh, people go nuts and want to get it. Uh, we We saw hoarding. We saw people... Uh, trying to take it prophylactically. We saw patients, I had patients come out of the woodwork who I hadn't seen in years um, call up and demand that I prescribe Plaquenil for them because they know that it's a medicine that we prescribe. Plaquenil is the same as um, hydroxychloroquine. Um, Prices went up and there's a shortage in my patients who need it. Um, It's very important for lupus patients, for other autoimmune diseases, um, that we treat, and also for pregnant women with autoimmune diseases or certain antibodies, it uh, actually significantly decreases the risk of miscarriages or congenital defects of the of the baby. So um, all of a sudden, these people can't get their medicines because people who don't really need it are hoarding it. And then, um, you know, kind of actually similar to what your um, your last guest said, uh, the prices went up. So these formerly cheap generics are now extremely expensive. Um, so even when insurance companies pay for it, patients are having an extremely high out-of-pocket cost. Um, so what happened was, and I was happy to see this, uh, the governor of New Jersey and several states put restrictions on it. So unless you have COVID or have certain autoimmune diseases, um, you can't get it, um, which is great. So my patients, you know, the supply came back. They were also working on increasing manufacturing. However, insurance companies decided that this was a great way to also put their own restrictions on it. So they're limiting it to two autoimmune diseases, lupus and RA, which does not include probably 20% of our patients who need it for other autoimmune diseases or pregnancy. Um, They're giving a ton of extra paperwork. Every single prescription we write for Plaquenil, no longer how long the patient's been on it, we have to do paperwork to demonstrate that they need it, and we're still getting some denials with that. I even had to do a long phone call with a patient, with a physician called a peer-to-peer that the insurance company sets up because they kept denying it for a patient. The uh, doctor I spoke to said he was absolutely going to recommend that it be approved. He understood he was going to give some supplying supplementary articles to the insurance company documenting why it was appropriate for my patient. She does not have lupus RA. She has a, another autoimmune disease. And still with that, insurance denied it. Um, and then the third step is now the fear that's going on because once the TV news and the Internet reports that a medicine could be dangerous, suddenly no one wants to take it, no matter what their doctor says. And there are actually two studies, which this is unheard of, which were retracted from the New England Journal of Medicine and The Lancet, which are two of the most 
respected and well-known medical journals because there were three authors who used a database called Surgisphere Corp, Corp, uh, Surgisphere Corporation, sorry, and um, they had published these articles. They really rushed to get something out there to get information with COVID pandemic, things are being expedited. And the data that was collected from this, um, from this big database had showed, um, as far as the authors knew, that there were significant dangers to taking this medicine, which rheumatologists have been giving for years and have never really seen cardiac issues, have not seen toxicity with it. Um, it turned out that the data was probably not accurate. Um, the company refused to release the data, so these, journal, these articles had to be retracted from the journals. Um, that said, once the news gets out there and says these medicines are dangerous, like I said, patients don't want to take it. So I have patients calling me, patients stopping it on their own, wonder why their lupus is flaring. And, um, wow. you know, it's, it's, it's so unfortunate that people are getting medical advice from the news and from the Internet, and there's so much bad information going on. So we went from patients struggling to get their meds to us having, you know, convincing them to take paperwork. it. Yeah. And now patients yeah. don't want to take it because they're afraid of wow. incorrect information. Well, gosh, Dr. Flowers, didn't you know everything on the internet is true? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> where, uh, uh, Dr. Flowers, where can people reach you to discuss telemedicine or any of these issues? Okay, um, well, they can, um, they can reach out to my office or they can find me online. Um, the best way, our office number is 973-895-7674, and my staff would be happy to, um, to take information. And, oh, sorry, 7676 is the line we have people call on, um, and to take information and put me in touch with them. If you call about this, uh, leave your phone number and an email address, and um, I will get back to you. Perfect. And Tori Bender, where can people uh, reach you to learn more about your work at the, the Berry Center or connect personally? We have a lot of information available on our website. It's www.nbdiabetes.org. Um, also, NB Diabetes on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you for having me on the show today to share this very important story. Thank you to both of you for, for sharing this, for your personal work struggles and for highlighting an issue that's affecting so many people, but people aren't really talking about. So Tori, uh, Sherry, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, Andy. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.